Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Uh, Revelation, chapter 3, we're going through this book of the Bible, and we're come to chapter 3, and uh, you may remember, um, oh, by the way, I wanted to just say, too, if you came up the Highway 50 side, you saw that we're starting some new construction, and that'll really change parking for these next months, and so uh, if you're of a sound body and you might be willing to park inconveniently for these, um, uh, save the closer parking for people who have children or who just need that help, that'd be great. You can park as close to 50 as you like and as far across the street, across Seven Hills as you can, and, and in bad weather especially, but anytime you'd be willing to do that, that's great. I want us to look at Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to read beginning with verse 1. We're looking at the churches in the book of Revelation. The Lord talks to several churches here. Let's read beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, Write to the angel of the church in Sardis. Thus says the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die, for I have not found your works complete before my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you are not alert, I will come like a thief, and you have no idea at what hour I will come upon you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes, and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. In the same way, the one who conquers will be dressed in white clothes, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and before his angels. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, let's talk this morning on uh, strength and what remains. So Jesus speaks to seven different churches in the book of Revelation, these first couple of chapters. And he's not just speaking to the churches that are identified here, but to us. He makes application for us and for every church. And we're reminded through this that the church is a God idea. God made the church. It's not irrelevant or or uh, unnecessary. I know that it's filled with people like us, imperfect people like us, but the Lord made the church. It has great value, and the culture says, and even the Christian culture says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really, it's no big deal. The Lord, of course, in His Word teaches something very different. There's value and importance, and you need the church, and the church needs you. And so let's look at what the Bible says here to this church in Sardis. And he tells them to strengthen what remains. We're going to look at what that means. I have four principles I'd like you to note with me this morning. If you're a note taker, and I want to encourage you to be today if you're not normally, uh, four things I want you to write down. Number one, look beyond the reputation. Look beyond the reputation. In verse one, Jesus says this, write to the angel of the church in Sardis. All of the churches have a messenger. Thus says the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The Lord says this, I know your works, Jesus said. I know what you do. I know what's going on. I know your activity. I know your movement. I know what's happening in your church. And he says, you have a reputation for being alive. And then he says these words, but you are dead. And there's something so sad about a church that's dead. Every year in America, several thousand churches close their doors never to reopen every year. And there's something about that that's just sad. Many of you probably don't know that FBCO almost was one of those churches. Some decades ago, the church got very small. They'd gone through some difficulties. 
<clears throat> and they met to discuss, a very small group of them met to discuss whether or not to continue as a church. They had renewed faith, and uh, God worked, and God moved, and God grew the church, but they almost, we almost ceased to exist. This is the church of Sardis. It's a church that's almost to die. It has a reputation, but it's almost to die. I, I wonder why. Maybe they lost sight of the mission. Every church has a mission, but we can lose sight of glorifying God, and pretty soon the mission becomes something else. And maybe we just go through the motions and sort of lose sight of the mission that God placed us here for a reason. Maybe they lost the ministry, and they began to think like many Christians think, like many churches think. What's in it for me? What do I get? What do I like? What do I want? We begin to think of Christianity as just what can I receive? What can I get instead of what can I give? How can I be served instead of how can I serve? We begin to think about ourselves and not think of others. We begin to think we're like the, we Christians are like the guys in the stands at a ball game and we just watch and observe and there are a few that are down on the field playing when the Bible tells us that God made us for ministry. And if we know him as Savior, he saved us for ministry. We're to be on the playing field of the faith. We're to be involved using our gifts and our talents and our resources and our abilities for God's glory. And maybe they lost sight of that. Maybe they lost sight of the mandate. The Bible tells us we're to make disciples of all nations. <clears throat> That's our mandate. <clears throat> Churches can easily sort of forget about evangelism and missions we forget about people who aren't here yet. We stop caring about people uh, who are lost. The longer we're in the faith, if we're not careful, we forget about those who aren't in the faith as though they don't matter, as though the blood of Jesus doesn't matter for them. Maybe they lost sight of the message and they began to just be a church that was more focused on making people feel good than telling the truth of the Bible. Maybe they began to be more like the world instead of more like what God says the church ought to be. Maybe they stopped reading the Bible and teaching the Bible and preaching the Bible. Maybe they stopped having devotions where they read the Bible for themselves. Maybe they just lost sight of the message, or maybe they lost sight of the master himself. Maybe they were like the church at Ephesus, who at one time had been so vibrant, and then they left their first love. And the church is about the Lord Jesus, and we sort of forget, if we're not careful, that we are the bride made uh, for the bridegroom and that Jesus wants a relationship with us. He wants us to know him personally and have a dynamic, <clears throat> close relationship with him. And perhaps they lost sight of those things that can happen. And they had a reputation without reality. The Bible says you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. It can happen easily. Do, do any of you remember a company, you have to be old enough to remember this, or maybe you've heard about it. Do you remember a company called Enron? Do any of you remember that? They had a great reputation. Enron had a great reputation. Forbes said they are the most innovative company in America. That's what Forbes said. The name of Minute Maid Park, before it was Minute Maid Park, where the Houston Astros play baseball. One of the guys wanted me to say world champion Houston Astros. All right, I, I said it. The name before it was Minute Maid Park was Enron Field. Enron Field. And they had a great reputation. And they had creative 
uh, accounting. And so they went, their shares went in a, just a little over a year, they went from $90 a share to 26 cents and then went bankrupt the next month. And I'll tell you, that can happen to a church. You can have a reputation. There could be a time when you just, everything on the outside looks great. And the Lord's saying, I want the reality. You know, God is not primarily concerned with what you look like on the outside. You know that, right? He's concerned about you, the reality of you. And we can sort of spin our reputation. We can make ourselves appear to be what we're not. But the Lord cares about who you are. And the church at Sardis looked to be alive. But on the inside, they were facing death. And they were so close to losing everything. I want you to look beyond the reputation. I've been thinking a lot lately about the next 20 years at FBCO and just kind of thinking about what we will be and what God wants us to do and become. And I've been thinking about our mission and really staying focused on the mission and remembering that we're to be involved in ministry and really reminding ourselves that we're to give and not just to get, we're to serve and not just to be served. And um, remembering the mandate that I want us to be focused on evangelism and missions to reach people with the message of the gospel, to remember that people are lost without Christ and to care about people who aren't here yet, to, get, to stay focused on the message of God's word and to be a light in, this, in the culture that just is constantly changing and even running from truth, even arguing that there's no such thing as truth, to tell the truth of what God says in his word and to be focused on the master himself, focused on the Lord. And I'm praying that our church will be alive and vibrant and dynamic, that the next couple of decades will be great times of growth for us and that we'll experience God's presence and his strength and his power. And I'm more excited than ever about our future together. There's a second principle I want you to note, and that is to take the remaining opportunities. Take the remaining opportunities. Verse two says this, be alert, that is man, wake up, the Lord is saying, make sure you're paying attention and strengthen what remains. Well, you're in danger like a plant that's withering. There's a little bit that remains. Strengthen what remains, which is about to die. It's almost, you're almost to lose that, for I have not found your works complete before my God. Now, you can't change anything about your past. Maybe you're aware of that already. The church of Sardis couldn't go back to its past and say, you know, we really, we need to change some things in our history. We can't change that. But we can affect right now what will be our present and what our future looks, uh, looks like. And God in heaven wants us to strengthen what remains. To remember there are some things that we can't do anything about, but there is much that we can do to take what we have. You, maybe you've got some things in your past that you're not so excited about. Maybe you're not so proud of. Maybe some pain and some hurt. Maybe some damage done. You can't change one thing about that, but God is giving you opportunities right now. Strengthen what remains. You can't change anything about what you did at the old job, but boy, God's placed you in this job. You have a responsibility and an opportunity there. You can't do anything about yesterday, but you can do something about the opportunities of today. Strengthen what remains. Take advantage of the opportunities that God has given you. The church at Sardis still had an opportunity. The Lord said, I want you to be alert. I want you to strengthen what remains, lest it die, for I've not found your works complete before my God. You haven't done everything that I put you here to do, he's saying. You haven't accomplished everything I made you to accomplish. And I want you to strengthen what remains. Some of you may have seen this story. A guy named Elvis Francois. He was in the Caribbean working on a boat. That was The motor was broken. And sometime during that job, the rope slipped its moorings and he began to drift unbeknownst to him out to sea and before, when he 
finally realized what was happening. He was too far out from shore to make it back. And so he drifted for 24 days, for 24 days, drifted on the ocean. He scratched the word help on the boat several places or painted it where he had the opportunity. But he just drifted. He didn't have, all he had on board to eat was ketchup and some seasonings and a little marinade and um, a little bit of seaweed that he could get from the ocean. And every day he would make a little soup, ketchup soup for breakfast and lunch and then dinner. Ketchup soup. He had some water, but it was dirty. He strained the water, got a little bit of water from the rain, and he made it 24 days like that. When the folks at Heinz found out that he had used their particular brand of ketchup for those 24 days, they found him. They did a big campaign to find him. And when they found him, they uh, apparently have negotiated with him to buy him a new boat, which seems to me is the last thing he needs. That's just what it seems like to me. <laughs> Probably gave him a lifetime supply of ketchup, the last thing he needs or wants. You just take what you have. He didn't have other provisions. He just took what he had. We can't do one thing about anything in our past, but we have opportunities this very day. Don't miss those opportunities. Maybe you feel like you don't have very much. Maybe you don't feel like you've got any big talents or gifts or abilities. Take what you have. Use what you have for God's glory. Use, what you, use the opportunity that God has placed in your life right now and strengthen what remains. Don't lose sight of the fact that God has given you this opportunity, that there's still life in you and opportunities for you, and God will make a difference through you. Take these remaining opportunities. There's a third principle I want you to note. Remember and live the truth. Would you write that down? Remember and live the truth. And let's go to verse 3. The Bible says, Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you are not alert, I will come like a thief, and you have no, de- no idea what hour I will come upon you. So I've got four words or phrases that I want you to write down here to kind of note about this. Number one is the word remember. The Bible says, remember then what you've received and heard. Remember what you've received and heard. The Lord is saying, church at Sardis, remember you've, you've, you've heard before the truth. You've heard what I have to say. Remember. Remember the teaching. Remember the, the lessons. Remember the sermons. Remember the worship. I want you to remember that. There's something about history. I love history. I love reading about history and watching long historical documentaries. You can just imagine how thrilling it is for Vicki to watch long historical documentaries with me. It's just the most thrilling thing in life. Well, I like them. I feel like I can learn from the history of others of what they did. You know, I can learn just as I can learn from Sardis. We don't have to experience it here. We can learn from Sardis, their mistakes, their victories we can learn from. But there is no greater teacher for you than your own history. There's no greater teacher for you. Jesus is saying, church, learn from your history. He's saying, learn from the mistakes of your past. I don't think there's a better teacher than the mistakes of your own history. Those failures are teaching opportunities. Some of you have made some big mistakes. Man, you have messed up. You have gone the wrong way. Learn from it. Don't waste those mistakes. Don't waste, don't waste those failures. Learn from them. I'm amazed how many people 
never learn from their mistakes. They just repeat those same mistakes over and over again. And God would have us learn from them. Remember, some of you can remember back at a time in your life where you were really growing in your faith. You remember a time when you got active perhaps in a small group and you were studying God's word and there was a value to that and other people were pouring into you. Or you remember a time in your life when you were reading God's word consistently for yourself and the growth that was happening in your life then. Remember those moments. Or you remember a time when someone was teaching you God's word and you were learning faithfully, maybe memorizing some scripture. Remember, the Lord says. And then the second word I want you to write is the word obey. The Bible says, remember then what you've received and heard. And then sometimes God's most profound things are so simple. So what do you do with these memories of what God has taught you? Here's what it says, two words, keep it, keep it. Man, you, you'd think God would do something more dramatic, wouldn't you? I mean, something, don't we need something more dramatic, something more exciting? Uh, maybe some sort of special stand in a certain way, do a certain thing, hop on one leg or something. He says, no, no, listen, just obey me. Just obey. It's so, it's so profound and yet so simple. Just obey, just obey. So what is it God wants you to do I don't know what it is, but what is it? Just, just think for a moment. What is it God wants you to do? What is it you know God wants some area you want, you know God wants you to obey? What is it? I, I don't know what it is, but God knows. And perhaps he's even impressing upon you what that ought to be. Here's what, I, here's what you do with that. You obey. Not very, that's not very profound. You wanted something maybe more dramatic. I'm just telling you there's something powerful about this simple recognition that God tells me what to do, and then I do what he wants me to do. It's, there's some, maybe that doesn't sound like the greatest testimony in the world. You know, you want someone who went through some dramatic failures and faults, and perhaps that's even you. You've gone through some failures and faults, but wouldn't you, wouldn't you like your testimony to be, you know what happened? I, just, I began to just do what God told me to do. I began to live how God wanted me to live. I just began to follow Jesus on this long journey of faith. And there's something so powerful about it. Remember, obey. Number three, repent. It's a simple word. But you can't turn to something without turning from something. And God tells us to turn from sin so that we turn to him. So what is it in your life that you know God wants you to turn from? What is that? I don't know what it is, but God knows. Perhaps you know. God wants me to turn from this. In order for me to turn to him, God is saying, I want you to turn from this. What is that? Would you just follow this simple biblical pattern? God, I'm going to turn from the things you want me to turn from. An attitude, an action, something I know in my life that is not what you want. I'm going to turn from that because I know by turning from that, I'm able to turn to you. And if I'm going to turn to you, I'm going to have to turn from that. And then the fourth thing I want you to note is to be prepared. The Bible says in, in verse 3, if you're not alert, I will come like a thief. We never know when the thief's going to come or we'd be prepared. But I'll come like a thief and you have no idea at what hour I will come upon you. So this life in you that remains, even that will be taken away unless you're prepared. This reminds us of how Jesus describes the return of the Lord Jesus there what we sometimes call the rapture when Jesus will return and it's like a thief in the night will be unprepared 
Perhaps it's been a long time since you've even thought about the fact that life is brief and short, and that you could stand before him one day, and maybe even he'll return soon. The book of Revelation, as we go through it, will note more about that uh, concept of the Lord coming back. And I'll just tell you, I know the Lord is coming back, and I don't know when. And I'll say, nor do you know when, nor do you. And the idea isn't that we're supposed to know when, but we are to be prepared for him to come anytime. There's a time in Christian circles in our country when people were much more, they lived with much more anticipation about the return of the Lord. During the days of the Jesus movement, and perhaps some of you have been reminded of the Jesus movement in more recent days. In the Jesus movement, it was much more common for people to remember that Jesus was coming back soon. Whenever We didn't know when, but just that he would come back and that we ought to live prepared. And there's something about that that's healthy for us. It's what makes us realize what we have, that counts. The opportunity of today, that matters. I'm going to stand before the Lord one day, whenever that is, either through death or through the air. I'm going to stand before the Lord, and I want to use my time wisely now, knowing that day is coming. And I want you to live with eternity in mind. I want you to live realizing the Lord could turn return this afternoon. If the Lord were to return this afternoon, and I don't know when he's coming back, as I said, nor do you, but if he did come back this afternoon, if you knew that he was coming back this afternoon, it might change how you live. You might think a little bit differently about issues like repentance or obedience or learning from your past or living in the present. I want to ask you to remember and live the truth. And there's a fourth principle I want you to note. Note the promised victory. Note the promised victory. Go with me back to verses 4, 5, and 6. And I'm going to look at each of these verses with you and just make a comment about each. So verse 4 reminds us of this, that God works with a remnant. Go with me to verse 4, please. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes, and they walk with me in white because they are worthy. So Jesus is saying this, man, there are a lot of people in Sardis who are dead. They have the reputation of being alive, but they're dead. But there are some, there's a remnant, there are some who remain. And God does powerful work with a remnant. Powerful work with a remnant. Not everyone follows the Lord. But when some do, when some do, God, God is not too weak to only work with a few. And he gives victory. with. If there are a few people praying, it's amazing what God can do. A few people who are following Jesus. A few people who are sold out for Christ. A few people who are living a full surrender. God works with a remnant. You have a few, he said, who have not defiled the clothes. And they walk with me in white because they're worthy. By the way, the, the reason they're worthy is because of what Jesus has done. We don't walk in worthiness ourselves. It's not our own righteousness that saves us. You're not saved by your own righteousness. You're, you're not saved by your own goodness. You're not saved by good works, but you are saved for good works, for good works. So we're saved by the good work of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross in our place. He took my sins on the cross, nailed them there, paid for them with the cost, by the cost of his blood, I can be forgiven, declared righteous and holy, not because I've never sinned, but because Jesus paid the price and his blood is sufficient. And you can be forgiven of every sin, fully forgiven, and you can be worthy before the Lord. But you are saved, not, not by good works, but for good works. 
And there were some in Sardis who saw this. And they didn't say, you know, I've trusted Christ as Savior, so he's, going to, he's forgiven me so I can just do whatever I want to do. They've said, no. Man, I tell you what, God, he's changed the want to in my life. And what I want to do is to live for the one who lived for me. I want to die to myself because Jesus died for me. And I want to follow him fully. And because he paid the price for my sin, I want to live a life that glorifies him. And I want to do the good works that God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. I want to live out my faith. I want to live a life of holiness. It matters deeply to me. God, listen, God works with a remnant. Just a few, just a few doing that. God works with a remnant. The reason FBCO stands today is because there is a remnant. And under a tree years ago, meeting to decide whether or not to continue as a church, they said, God's not through with this church. And God made us for a reason. And just a few, by faith, trusted God for the future. Just a few, a remnant. Can I tell you, revival comes when there's a remnant who are willing to seek the Lord with their whole heart. It's amazing what God does with a few who are committed to him, who pray to him, who live for him. God works with remnant. I want you to see in verse 5 this principle that we can conquer and have victory. We can conquer and have victory. Verse 5 says this, In the same way, the one who conquers will be dressed in white clothes, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and before his angels. The Lord is saying we can have victory. We can conquer. Did you know you can conquer? I don't know. Do you know Metropolis, Illinois? Southern Illinois, just on the... Ohio River, just before you would go into Kentucky, is a town called Metropolis. It's named Metropolis. It sounds more dramatic, but it's just a smaller town. But it's got a great name, Metropolis. And when the Superman comics came along, Superman lived in Metropolis. Not Illinois, I don't think, but still in Metropolis. And so the town decided some years ago, let's capitalize on that. And so they built a giant Superman statue a giant Superman statue right there in Metropolis. And the other day, my wife was on social media, and she saw this picture. It's a real windy day, and the picture said, it's a picture of Superman, the big giant statue Superman, and his head was gone. And it said the wind was so great that it blew off the head of Superman. Well, I found out it was a hoax, and of course it was a hoax because he's Superman. You can't knock the head off of a Superman. He's Superman for crying out loud. And there, there is no chance that Batman can beat up Superman. Let's just end that silly argument right here and now. He's Superman for crying out loud. Batman can't beat up Superman. Let's just note that. Superman's head doesn't get blown off by some wind. Superman is Superman. And somehow we've started thinking in Christian circles Oh my goodness, I can never overcome my past. I can never overcome my sin. The enemy is just too great. If I get tempted, I just nothing I can do about it. The enemy is so powerful and so great and so strong. He can just conquer me at any moment. And listen, as though the blood of Jesus were not sufficient to forgive every sin, as though the Holy Spirit doesn't have the power, as though the God who made the universe cannot give us victory in heaven one day and abundant life in this world today. Listen, God is able. He is able. And so once in a while you'll hear the enemy bluster about how 
Uh, you can't stand to him. And let me just tell you, you can't stand to him. But God in you can. And you can overcome your past. And you can overcome the failures and mistakes. The pain and the hurt. You can fight victory. Did you know you can have victory in heaven one day? Sin can be fully forgiven. If you'll trust Christ as your Savior, you can be saved and forgiven and given new life in Christ. Today I'm praying there will be people sitting here right today listening to this message who will come to know Christ as Savior. And you can have abundant life in this world. God wants that for you. You can have victory. The enemy is not more powerful than the Lord. God in you can accomplish all the purposes that he wants. God can give victory to the Christian and God can give victory to the church. And we ought to believe that God is big enough to give us that victory. The promises of God are true. And I want you to trust him and believe that. Find him for salvation. And Christian, would you find victory in your walk with the Lord? Begin to grow in your faith and follow him. And then verse 6 tells us this. Listen to God's voice, which is for our benefit. Listen to God's voice, which is for our our benefit. Verse 6 says this. Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, you might have noticed the pattern if you've read these about these churches. Over and over. Listen, Jesus says. Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. If you've got ears, open them. Listen. God's saying, I want you to learn from the church at Sardis and all the rest of these churches. I want you to pay attention because it's to your benefit. Because I've got something far better for you. Because I don't want you to settle for just a reputation that's not reality. And I don't want you to be satisfied just to be a a Christian or a church that's just dying and fading and as, as though God's not big enough to accomplish his purposes through you. So I want you to hear and I want you to listen. Because no matter what your pain or your past or problems may be, there's some strength that remains. And I want you to seize on that opportunity and become everything God wants you to become for this day. And as long as he should tarry, and as long as he gives you breath, I want you to find that victory. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? And as we pray... Maybe you're here and you need to be saved and you know the Holy Spirit's convicting you that you're a sinner who needs to be saved. I want to ask you today to turn from your sin, to place your trust in Jesus who died for you and who rose from the grave for you and receive him as Savior. Would you ask him to save you today? You can come to know him today as Savior and Lord. Christian, some of you are here and you relate far too well to the church at Sardis. You've got a reputation but the reality is not where it needs to be. And God's speaking to you about strengthening what remains. Not one thing you can do about your past. But God's giving you opportunities today. Would you say, God, I want to I have life. Everlasting life, certainly in heaven. But God, I want abundant life in this world now. I want to make a difference. You in me making a difference in this world. Would you pray for your church? That our church would be the kind of church God wants us to be. That we will follow him and live for him and glorify his name. That we'll stay on mission. That we'll follow his ministry and mandate. That we'll stay true to the message and true to the Lord himself. And Father, I want to thank you so much for this powerful word from your word to us. Certainly to the church of Sardis long ago, but to FBCO this day. To each individual listening to this today. 
teach us the lesson so that we live out the truth. Draw people to yourself, I pray this day. Help us to follow you. Help us to strengthen what remains. To the glory of your name we pray. Amen.